0: From the All-Ireland Business Foundation, this is Elaine Carl bringing you AIBF Business Talk. AIBF is an independent national body tasked with enterprise development and the promotion of best-in-class businesses as business all-stars. Today, for our 100th edition, yes, that's our 100th edition of AIBF Business Talk, I catch up with Myra Considine, inaugural president of AIBF and CEO and founder of the Equita Group which since 2001 is one of Ireland's leading business consultancy practices in organization growth and leadership optimization, commercial negotiation, advanced practice mediator, as well as being strategic advisor to many organizations and delivering world-class, highly popular leadership and management development programs through their executive education arm. Thank you so much for joining me on AIBF Business Talk today, Margaret. Margaret, today is a huge milestone for us here at the Old Ireland Business Foundation, this being our 100th, our centenary, our 100th podcast since we launched just over a year ago, which is an absolute fantastic. So as the inaugural president of the Old Ireland Business Foundation, it's only so, so fitting and right that we have you as our guest today. So for our listeners, Margaret, I'd just like to maybe welcome you as I mentioned, as the president of the All Ireland Business Foundation, but also as the CEO of the Equita Group. And today, maybe I'd like to chat with you about the work that you do at the Equita Group, but for you as well to take us on your own
1: entrepreneurial journey. Good morning, Elaine, and I'm delighted to be celebrating the 100th podcast of the AIBF. So may I first say, Elaine, that I am very proud to be a member of the AIBF and to see what you and all at the AIBF do for SMEs, which I am one of and my heart is very close to SMEs. My background is very broad, so I'll make it quick. I started as an entrepreneur at seven. When watching Wimbledon, I cut up a tablecloth belonged to my mother <laughs> and without her permission and made Cindy doll skirts. This is way before Barbie. There was no Barbies, it was just Cindy's. Made Cindy doll skirts, tennis skirts, and sold them at the back gate for two pence. Wow. <laughs> Now that's a different story. Yeah, but it's really funny. I didn't think of myself as entrepreneurial. Um, I grew up in the Midlands and we all, everybody worked very hard. My family had a very hard work ethic. They were, um, Mum was a uh, stay-at-home mom who worked as a chef part-time, four children. Dad worked as an excavator driver, did some of the most amazing work around the country, Um, built Pula Fuca, the Channel Tunnel. Quite an expert at what he did. And I think he gave me this love of you don't have to be everything. You just need to be really good at what you do. I don't think my dad could sign his name. Um, he left school at 13 or 14 because his father had died and all of the children left school to help their mother, who was a widow with seven children, um, to, to make an income. But he he was expert at what he did. He was sought after, never out of work a day in his life and sought after for every big construction job in Ireland and worked with Board of Works, with SISC, lots of big... Great big companies. And he taught me that if you have purity of heart and you get up every day, four o'clock, five o'clock, whatever it takes to do your work, if you're accountable and you're responsible and you never uh, let people down, that you're living a good life. And I believe that. So, um and my mum was very creative and I got a lot of that from her. You know, she used to make knit and make Cindy doll clothes for me and she was very uh, creative with cookery and things. We were eating avocados at 12. You know, I'd say, People in Port Darlington where I grew up and knew clue what an avocado was at that stage. Um, but mum worked in the kitchen and she would bring home bits and pieces. And she taught all of us to cook, including my brother, um, all of us to sew. We were taught to grow vegetables. We were taught to self-sustain. We were taught to make our own decisions. And in many ways, it's different than the way even I raise my children now. And I have three. Um, but I think those life skills that she gave me were fantastic. Like I came to her when I did my leaving cert at 16 and said, what will I do with this on my CAO farm? She said, no, my choice, darling, yours, yours. And and in some ways you have to live by your own decisions. So anyway, I I did a lot of studies uh, through over the years and I worked in some fantastic companies, got lots of experience and um, uh, eventually ended up setting up the Equita Group in 2001. So I've worked with Baileys, with McDonald's and lots of other companies in between times. And um, I have a master's from Maynooth from yeah, Trinity and from UCD. So plenty of studies and wrote seven books, not one of which I'd read now.
0: <laughs> and man, isn't it? It's mad, it's not you know, just to think, you know, back how our childhood and our upbringing and maybe the opportunities uh, that, that come with us, you know, through through our childhood, how that kind of I suppose, ignites an entrepreneurial flair. And I think something was lovely there that you said about your dad, you know, that he always had the, the motto or the, the thought in life that you don't have to be good at everything you do. You just have to be good you don't have to be good at everything you just have to be good at what you do you know at that one thing and i think that rings true so much you know when we think of our businesses and the different skill sets that are required that you know multiple departments sometimes as an entrepreneur we tend to wear so many hats um but it's even knowing at times like what can you outsource and what do you know that yes it's very important it could be to do with social media or marketing so look i'm not the expert here but I know it's important, so let's get it done by somebody that is the expert at that, which I think is, is a brilliant mindset to have for any entrepreneur.
1: Absolutely. And I suppose, I, I, let's be clear, I you know, I needed to work. I mean, my family had a very strong work ethic. At the age of 12, we all went out to make a contribution and we all paid money towards the house. And we weren't poor. We, we My parents didn't have a mortgage. They owned a car. We lived in a council house. Um, but each house my parents had, they owned. So, you know, there was a pride around what they had, but they kept it simple and small. Now, none of us did, we, we all went mad and bananas and uh, the opposite in some ways. But uh, my mom got sick when I was 12 and she had my youngest sister, Patricia, who's 12 years younger than me. And mum was in hospital in and out for almost four years. So I raised my siblings for that period of time. You couldn't do it now. But, you know, it stopped me making a lot of mistakes in my teenage years, perhaps, but it gave me a huge sense of a capability, responsibility, um, and ownership, nearly, and a commitment to my siblings and to my family. I still feel essentially connected to them, even when they're not around me. And um, that sense of family gives me a great sense of grounding, to be perfectly honest. I got a great education in Presentation Convent, for Arlington, um, albeit it it was a school that at the time was probably a school of its time, a public school. But it had a sense that the, the children of the professionals or the big farmers were somewhat treated better, as in got the front seats in the class, than the children of the working class people or blue collar people. And I called my company Equita and I wonder why. Um, and I don't wonder why at all, because I believe in balance, fairness, transparency. I believe that we need, need to build a world of work. A world of living a world of life where we meet everybody where they're at whether that's disability whether that is mental health whether that is capability that we don't build this ubiquitous you know world that everybody's expected to be the same that it's okay to be different and that as organizations that we need to figure out how to build an engaging productive workplace a home that you never have to leave home to be where you are and, um, and I think I got that through my upbringing. There was a couple of incidents. One, I was asked to step off a debating team that I'd won a place on because I wasn't one of the professional's daughters and somebody else was very upset that they didn't get a place. And, and secondly, I never felt bright in school, though I got second in my class in my Leaving Cert. But what I realized was that I was, and as my principal handed me my legal search, she said, I'm not sure what you're going to do with this. It's going to be rather wasted on you. And I went to visit her in her nursing home not that long ago. She's still alive, lovely woman, actually, ran a great school, and I never resented her for it. I was so motivated by it. You know, I'm Harvard, Stanford and Western educated now. I have uh, three masters, multiple qualifications and degrees, but more, uh, m- more than that, I have grown hundreds and thousands of leaders in this country and beyond. I've made people believe that they can be their very best self. And I have resolved some really complex disputes in my mediation world. And and I've grown my own family, fought very hard to have my children because I have tenacity. And I I look to her and I say, Do you know what? You gave me that guts. You you inspired me to make sure I didn't waste what I had. I never miss an opportunity. Never. how in negative
0: words, isn't there? Sometimes, you know, in life and in business, you know, something might just stop us in our tracks and really said, do you know what, do you, do you take it in an offensive way or how do you take it? But I love how you
1: use those words, you know, for a positive outcome, yeah. Margaret. And, and the thing is, you know, life is a mountain in front of you. You can climb it or not, you can go around it if you want. And sometimes if you saw the mountain, you wouldn't tackle it. I mean, I mm-hmm. certainly, if I saw the infertility journey that faced me, Having lost, you know, so many children before I eventually had one, um, you know, maybe I wouldn't have. Maybe I wouldn't have kept going. But actually, sometimes having only line of sight is better than having, you know, far sight because um, you just keep going to the next day, the next week, the next month. And you know, Elaine, I think no matter how brilliant or bright you are or capable, everybody has bad days and everybody has doubts and everybody hits corners that they have to go around. And you know, my sister, my my second sister would look at me and always have thought that I was you know confident and bubbly and whatever and I was but I was also wrecked with self-doubt I, there was no grounding to my my desire to do things you know but I had huge courage and she would laugh at me and she'd say oh why would you buy one when you could have two you know so if I see <laughs> a dress, then I can buy two of them and you know or I'd, I'd go somewhere and I'd say oh gosh I fell in love with that she said you got it didn't you I said "Oh, no, I had to and so, my, she would she would say to me, "But do you have the money for it?" And I said, "Yeah, kind of." <laughs> and I think, I think entrepreneurs we have to live a little bit with that risk and uncertainty. Now you have to build a good business. I mean, one of my masters is in governance, one is in organisation psychology, and one is in conflict. <laughs> Three great skill sets for running any business. What
0: foundations and what pillars? So Margaret, maybe if you just share a little bit with our listeners the work that you do and how you're helping companies and SMEs at Equora Group.
1: Yes, so at Ecuador we have three divisions. We were founded in, um, in 2001 and um, our first three clients were PM Group, Dublin City Council and Hollis Street Hospital and for Hollis Street we did a big change effort um, and uh, around some challenges in the medical world and for PM Group we designed a suite programs and for the council we did a piece of work around um, conflict that was happening uh, out of the workplace, out of the parks and grounds and stuff. All three of them were hugely successful and to this day we still work with PM Group. So we have um, the three pillars of the business are we have been executive education. And that one was set up because I believe, Delaine, that when I worked in corporate life, I could not get results-based training. I could get off the shelf, David has 1970 slides with core concepts. And let's be fair, management, leadership, psychology, economics, You know the concepts are the same. It's what you do with them to translate them from complex to simplex that people can apply at their desk. And I found that gap was missing, so I found an opportunity there and I built a really niche business in that. And we work globally with clients like Philip Morris, Workday, number one in best places to work. We have an amazing list of clients that we work with, and we work all over the world. The second division is the uh, mediation division, uh, conflict resolution. So through so we do a lot of workplace resolution. We're currently building a very big program for TUSLA on mediation matters which is a phenomenal uh, program. It is basically where they're creating a home in TUSLA that um, innovation, creativity, harmony is imperative that they're in their people strategy and they want people to feel comfortable and the idea is that everyday conflicts need to be resolved before they become grievances or investigations. So we are running a two-day program on mediation matters training 500 people to be little mediators, like at little m. So in other words, they're not qualifying as professional mediators, but they are um, learning the skills of mediation in order to resolve conflicts at source, which is fantastic. That can be applied in any company um, and every company needs that okay, because conflict costs and it doesn't it doesn't provide any benefit when it's negative conflict. Innovative conflict, of course, is good. Um, and then the third one is the consulting division. So the consulting division is, you'll never know that it's us that has been doing the work. So we would write strategies for organizations, build organizations, redesign, um, when they're maybe changing an organization from one set of stakeholders to another, or where they're doing an MBO, or where they just need some policies written. So for example, we would have worked with uh, Walls Construction when the current leadership and owners, stakeholders were changing um, over to the current management team that are there. We would have strengthened that directorship level. We would have strengthened their management team. We would have written their organization structure, some of their policies for them. And then we would have trained their leaders, you know, right down from full psychometric analysis, right down to their grad program, designed and built them for them. And that's a whole integrated approach um, for them. We uh, just recently wrote um, a strategy for in Garda with Inclusio, and we wrote many of the government strategies on well-being, IDA strategies as well, on well-being, and dignity at work, learning and development, performance management, but you'll never know they're ours because we've produced them.
0: There's such a breadth of work in there and I can just see, you know, how you're coming in, you know, feeling like such a trusted partner, I suppose in a lot of respects with regard to the consulting side of things as well, but your stance with regard to the executive education, which I totally concur with is that, you know, you know, we can we can learn from so many different sources, but actually results based education that will allow you to leave the classroom but to apply it whatever or wherever you are at within your organization is just just so powerful. And then with regard to the mediation side of things, you know, my grandmother used to always say, a stitch in time saves nine. So it's this proactive approach rather than the reactive approach, get in there, nip that conflict on the bud before anything festers. Um, yeah. And, and I think dealing with us with the most vulnerable in society are children which, is, which is, must be so, so satisfying. But Margaret, from your experience of working with companies over multiple industries, and as you mentioned there, you work globally as well. If we were just to leave our listeners today with maybe t- three challenges that you see that businesses
1: are facing and maybe what advice you'd give to them. Well, I think all businesses face the scale challenge. And that is, how do you grow? It doesn't matter whether you're going from 10,000 people to 50,000 or fi- five people to 50 how do you grow your organization with the culture and the values that got it to where it is today? And I think that scale challenge has to be managed really well. And I think to try and do that on your own is is, is really difficult. And I think it takes a brave person to ask for help and assistance to do that. And um, I think you can't just hope it'll happen organically. I think we have to you know, put some support, some governance, some um, instruments around that in order to help that to happen. That's the first thing. Second thing, uh, and that's a ubiquitous one, I suppose. The second thing I would say is that people are always a constant challenge because they change. And no organization survives without their people. You know, my father had a saying and he, he, when I was wedging myself to my career, he said to me, a business will never give you a hug."
0: I'm going to remember that one.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And it's, you know, when you're doing 18 hours a day or 20 hours, it's a nice thing to remember. But what I want you to think about is that one of my my employees turns around to me one day and she says, I don't get up every day to make money for you. And I thought, yeah, that's so true. So it's the purpose piece. You know, so when you're looking at your people, I'd say your people are your engine. Your people um are the you know the ammunition of your future stay connected to your people very paying kind build a business of your people for your people with your people train them well engage with them well talk to them you know don't have floors where they have to have past parts they can't get up to you make it a business of access you know be in the business of people for people if you're trusting your people to manage your clients and your client business make sure your people know that you trust them you know if you look after your people your np2 will look after itself
0: two then ones there
1: yeah and then the third thing i would say is that um there's no point doing the first two unless you do this one and that is self-care look after yourself look after your family build in time to stay healthy to stay happy and um, you know you don't have to be servile to your business to lead and run it and um, your business is there to serve you too and sometimes we make a mistake that thinks a good holiday you know for two or three weeks a year is enough to you know pay for a great holiday for yourself and your family and that's your bit done Well, yeah, I would say never miss an event. You know, never miss a first communion, never miss a godson's birthday, never miss a football match at three o'clock, if that's what it takes. Because, you know, there's other hours in the day. We work now in a flexible hybrid global world. You can, you know, pick up your laptop at nine o'clock at night and do a bit extra. But for gosh sake, always make the school plays, you know, or always be, have an hour at night, if that's what it takes to put the saucepan on the head and put tinfoil on it to make him a tin man to go to school. Those (laughs) little things really matter. No, they they really matter at the end of the day because, you know, there's no point getting to, you know, 60 or 70 or 50 or whatever it is that your ambition is and have loads of money and having no wife, no children, no partner, no friends. So, you know, stay connected to your, your community and that is your family, your friends, and also your business community, the likes of the AIBF or Chambers or any of these organizations. You know, I think that you really need to make sure that you keep looking to the outside and not just housekeep your business. Um, you need to look after yourself and make sure that you always stay close to the market because the market is the best educator ever. It will tell you what's happening.
0: Absolutely. I love that, Margaret, about the importance of people in your lives, you know, be it your people, you know, your employees, the people you work with, but very much so about your family as well, you know. Very, very important. And yes, I too can identify here, you know, both working with many of our business authors, how scaling can be a big challenge and how you need to put in the right supports and structures and governance in place to make sure it is a success. Margaret, if you were to give one piece of advice back to your 18 year old self,
1: what would that be? Um, I would say, Never be afraid to ask for what you want. So Elaine, as I finish this podcast, I would say to you, I would be very happy to work with all of your ABIF members to help them to scale, to help them to self-care and live a well-led life, because that's my mantra. But I would say, never be afraid to ask for what you want. I think I was scared when I was younger. I kept doing things, but I I never really believed that I had the capability. But I had the guts, and I wasn't I wasn't unafraid. I wasn't afraid to do to do new things. But when I got an education. When I realized as I did, you know, my BA and my accountancy and all my different things, I realized actually a lot of the stuff I knew, I just didn't know it was called a framework or a model. <laughs> and it legitimized some things that were maybe naturally grown in me, but sharpened them and harnessed them. And I think you don't have to wait to have all of that years of education to feel confident to do it. But I do believe that education is freedom. But that education can be, by the way, learning how to pot plants, it can be learning how to weld, it can learning to be the best security guard, or it can learn to be a rocket scientist. It doesn't have to be in a book or a classroom. But I do believe that we need to keep our minds sharp and we need to stay trained. And, you know, all of us need to keep our mind plastic. And the more that you push yourself to do new things, the better. So I would say, you know, a dare to grow, be fit for future. And I can help you with that.
0: Mark, it's been an absolute pleasure hosting you today, this morning on our 100th podcast of the podcast. Um, AIBF Business Talk. I think I personally have got so many snippets of information there, but personally, I've learned so much from you in valuing our people, but valuing ourselves as well. And I would encourage any of our listeners today to reach out to Margaret as president of the All-Ireland Business Foundation, um, but also as a fellow business all-star and to learn from her and to have a conversation with her with regard to her own journey, which has been absolutely so, so colourful. Margaret, thank you so much, but as well as that for the wonderful job and ambassadorial work that you've been doing as our inaugural president. Thank you, Margaret. Thank you, Elaine. It's an honour. Thank you for listening to AIBF Business Talk today. I really do hope you enjoyed listening in. To find out more about the All-Ireland Business Foundation and the work that we do, especially the Business All-Stars programme, just go to www.aibf.ie. Remember, Never put off until tomorrow what you can do today. Until next time, from your host, Elaine Carl. Goodbye.